John chapter number six. This journey that we have been experiencing to understand more of Christ has been wonderful. And Christ has been revealing himself more and more, whether it be the amen, whether it be the potentate, Christ has been revealing himself. And I believe that even to more this morning, the much more he shall reveal himself. The Gospel of John chapter number 6. I'm only going to lift up a couple of verses in this simply so that we can go back to the foundation of what we talked about on last week. And then there is something fresh that God wants to release unto us. John chapter number 6. And we'll start at verse number 30. I'm going to be reading this from the KJV. But I am going to warn you that I feel the NIV and the message Bible brewing up in my spirit. Amen. I feel it brewing. I feel it brewing. I feel it. I feel it. I love old English, but I love that message. Amen. Ah, verse number 30. It says, Then they said, Therefore unto him, What sign shewest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What does thy work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven, and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that come unto me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now I want to take these thoughts, and I want to connect it with another scripture in the book of Exodus chapter number 16. The book of Exodus chapter number 16. I feel deliverance all in the room. Hmm. I feel deliverance all in this room. Glory to God. Hmm. Verse number one in Exodus chapter number 16. Are we ready? Verse number one says this, and they took their journey from Elam. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of sin which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day, the second month, after their departing out of the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, in other words, the pots that brewed the meat. And when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare 
that which they bring in. And it shall be twice as much, say double. Twice as much as they gathered daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At evening, then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat. And in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, but ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron and said unto the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At evening you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And ye shall know that I am the Lord thy God. The strength of this text is going to come from verse number one. When it talks about them being in between Elam and Sinai. I want to minister. We're still focusing upon Christ being the bread of life. But I want to use for note taking purposes. The in between bread. The in-between bread. Hmm. The book of Exodus is a very powerful book because not only does it highlight the history of the Exodus or they leaving out the nation of Israel from a land that they were not supposed to be in, but it also reveals the power of transition. One of the things that I want you and I to always be convinced of is that no matter what process you are experiencing, you're always going through a transition. And so when we start analyzing and looking at this book, one of the things that is very important for us to understand is that as believers, we go through a variety of transitions. One of the main transitions that we become familiar with is the transition that we go through when we become a believer, we leave the things of the world and we begin to transition into a relationship with God. We transition into the power of who we are. We transition into the grace of God. We transition into the mercy of God. And so one of those things that I want us to be understanding of is that your life has to be a transitional life. Your life has to be a transitional life. God has set it up so that you will not remain in the same place too long. And we're not talking about more or less of a geographical location, but we're talking about more or less the levels of maturity of your soul and of your thought life. One of the things that I would submit to you is that if you think the same way that you thought this time last year, 
then you are resisting the transition of God. Because as God prepares you to go to various places, one of the things that I want you to understand is that there has to be a transition internally first before you experience the outward transition. You have to experience a transition mentally. You have to experience a transition emotionally. Even when you begin to experience those transitions, then before you get to the ultimate place, God would have you to transition socially. In other words, your crowds will change. Your companies will change. Your circles will change. One of the most powerful tools about these cell phones is that they keep about 900 to 1,000 contacts logged into your profile as long as you choose to keep them there. But one of the things that I want you to understand is that as you go to transition and God begins to move you from place to place, you must understand that the person or the people that were in positions with you at this level, their connection with you is going to change. And I think a lot of the times because we have not been taught how to handle relationships well, we don't know when it's time to depart. We don't know when it's time to separate. We don't know when it's time to disconnect. Because one of the things that we love to do is we love to build monuments around things that were service stations. Relationships that were meant to come in to bless you for a season. And they have served their due diligence. But what happens is because we're loyal beyond the required responsibility. What happens is we begin to find ourselves in inadequate relationships where God now is pulling us to another place, but we want to take this people or this particular individual with us. And they cannot go because they don't fit into where he's taking you. It does not mean that they're evil. It does not mean that they're nasty. It does not mean that they're sinful. It just means that God is going to now put you in another place. And because you are in that other place, you and I need to take on the reality of recognizing the way that I communicated with you when I was in this place, it does not work the same in this place. So as to where I spent hours upon the phone with you in this place, I needed you. I needed your input. I needed your encouragement. I needed your prayers. But when I grow up and I begin to matriculate to a new place, I don't have the time now. You don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. Because when I ascend to a new place, my responsibilities change. Which means now the responsibilities take up more time. And when the time is taken up, I can't spend three or four hours on the phone with you now. Because I've transitioned to a new place and I've got new responsibilities. Come on, say I'm in transition. And one of the things I want to do for you is I want to release you from the guilt of moving forward. I want to release you from the guilt of moving forward. I know that they blessed your life. I know that they were there. I know they cried with you. I know they prayed with you. I know they supplemented your life. 
but their assignment is over. I need you to understand it. Their assignment is over. It's time to move forward because if you take old people into a new assignment, they will handicap your ability for you to wax strong and grow. Not because anything is wrong with them, but God didn't call them to the new place. He called you to the new place. Come on, touch your name and say, let's go, let's go. And so when we start talking about the transition of the book of Exodus, one of the also things that you'll see is that this book is a powerful book about the provision of God. One of the things that we love to say, especially depending upon the circle that you come from, is we love to use the Jehovah names of God. And so when you start talking about the provision of God, you start getting into the aspect of recognizing that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is my ultimate provider. And so when you get into the book of Exodus, what you're going to begin to see is you're going to see deliverance at a whole nother level and you're going to see provision at a whole nother level. And one of the things that I want you to be assured of before we go any further in this text is I want you to accept the reality that when you transition, you will be taken care of. I just need you to accept that. I'm keeping this thing very simple this morning because I need you to grab some realities. You will be taken care of. If God called you to a new place, that means he has already created the equation for you to have everything that you need to be taken care of, taken care of. You don't have to get there and wonder as to whether or not this place is going to feed me. Is this place going to supplement me? Is this place going to help me? God has already ordained for ravens. Y'all don't want to hear me? To feed you in the new place. They're waiting there. You want the ravens to come to you where you are now. But the ravens have been prophesied to go to a new place and they can't feed you because you're trying to hang around with the old things that fed you. So can we go deeper? So now let's look at this. So when we look at the book of Exodus chapter number 16 and we begin to analyze the bread of life, Jesus being the manna that fell from heaven, one of the things that you'll see in this book is a book of psychological disposition about people who are transitioning, who have experienced a powerful level of deliverance as it relates to them walking out in a place that had been prophesied to them, but they had no idea that the prophecy was over their life. One of the things I think that we make the mistake of is we think like we choose to think that when we read the Bible that they had the foreknowledge that we have. We think that they had the foreknowledge, they had the opportunity to read the preview of the book before they actually went through the scenario. And that's not the case. So when you begin to talk about how these men and women are transitioned out of an entire nation, one of the things that I want you to understand is that they are experiencing deliverance that they asked for, but they are experiencing also deliverance that was already preordained that they had no knowledge of. And so when you start talking about understanding how your life is set up, I want you to begin to really look at how things happen. When you begin to pray, God will put you in a position where you begin to experience a prophetic manifestation that you have no idea is over your life. 
You must understand that there are things that are happening to you in your life because of a prophetic word that God gave to your grandmother. They may have not shared it with you. They may have never talked to you about it. Abraham was dead before the nation of Israel began to grow in these large numbers. So how would they know that this prophetic word was released over them? The only thing that God tells Moses when he goes to now visit him to be the deliverer is he says, I have heard the cries of my people. What made God hear the cry? God heard the cry because God was attentive to the word that he had released over them and I need you to understand that when you cry to the Lord you've got to cry a word to him Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. You've got to cry a word to him. And what I mean by crying a word to him there are promises of your life. There are powerful principles that God is allowing you to walk in. There is destiny. There is a future. And you've got to begin to talk to God about your future. Don't just whine about where you are, but talk to him about your future because it's your future that he's concerned about. He's just not concerned about where you are now, but he's also concerned about where you're going because where you're going is going to glorify him. Where you're going is going to exalt him. Where you're going is going to cause him to be glorified so what God is intentionally trying to do is make you come into agreement while you're in the whining place he wants you to come into agreement with what he said over you so that you can cry that over your own life Come on, say, I'm my own prophet. I'm my own prophet. I'm my own prophet. I got promises. I've had dreams. I've had visions. I've written the word. There are just certain things that are supposed to happen. I'm not waiting for the bishop. I'm not waiting for the apostle. I'm not waiting for the pastor. I'm going to make a decision to cry this own word over my life. So when I'm tired of being where I am, I'm going to go to the Father and say, God, it's time to move. You said that I was going to walk in this. You said that I was going to walk in this power. You said that I was going to walk in this deliverance. You said that I was going to walk in this strength. You said that you've never seen the righteous forsaken. You said that you've never seen the righteous begging bread. You said that you will be with me until the end of the world. So don't get distracted about the complaining. Talk to him about what he said. talk to him about what he said you get in trouble when you make up your own agenda but you got to tell him no God you said it you said it you said it you said that there was nothing that shall separate me from your love you said that there were no angels there was no principalities there was no height no depth there was nothing that can separate me so God I don't feel lovely right now so I need you to come to me and show me your love So it's the in-between places. The beginning of the journey is never difficult. And the ending of the journey is showing difficult. It's the in-between. Because what God does is he never shows you the in-between. He always shows you the start and the finish. But he never talks to you about the steps that you're going to have to make in between 
to get to where you're supposed to be. And this in-between place can be frustrating. Because in this in-between place, I sometimes don't know who to trust. In this in-between place, sometimes I don't even trust my own self. In this in-between place, I feel frustration. I feel anger. I feel worry. I feel anxiousness. I vacillate between believing that he will and sometimes wondering, has he forgot about where I am? Oh my God. It's the in-between place that gets us off track. It's never the start of the journey because when the journey starts, you're always excited. You're hype. You're full of passion. You're full of energy. You're full of all of the vigor and vibe that you need to walk out what he called for you to walk out. And when you get to the finish line, you're relieved that it's over. But it's the in-between places because the enemy always assigns the traps in the in-between. It's too hard to deceive you at the beginning because you're focused. But what he wants to do is he wants you to wear out just a little bit he wants the passion to die down he wants you to become isolated and then when those things happen that is when the in-between is necessary so in this scripture what we see is we see the power of God feeding them in between Hmm. he feeds them in between so now let's look at this so we can do some work so then in verse number one it says this It says that they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Seir. So now I want you to begin to look at this from the context of the Israelites. They have now experienced such a great deliverance. They were on cloud a thousand because God had come to them. He had sent Moses. They had seen the plagues. They had seen all the things that God had done. And then they walked on dry land. And then looked behind them and saw that their enemies were drowning. They were on the other side of their opposition. They were on the other side of their persecution. They were on the other side of everything that they had experienced for the last 400 years. They were on the other side of it. And now that they were on the other side of it, they had taken gold. They had taken treasures. They had taken enough food to sustain them to a certain amount of time. And now they've gotten to the place called the wilderness of sin. (laughs) How more blood could God be than to transition them through unto the wilderness of sin. And so here's the thing that I want you to understand. I want you to understand that it is not until they got into the wilderness of sin that they experienced a food shortage. It was not until they got to this particular place of what they call the wilderness of sin that they had ran out of food and ran out of substance. I'm almost through. I'm at my point. So one of the things I want you to understand is this. I want you to be very clear in understanding that the in-between places is where the sin becomes most alive. I want you to understand I'm going to teach you something. It's in the in-between places that you are more subject to spin. It's when you are in between the place of where you started and where God is taking you that there is going to be the most opportune time for you to fall. And though you know that God is with you and though you know that God is comforting you, there is still something about the lingering of the in-between. 
And so what happens is in the wilderness of the in-between, according to what we see in the text, they run out of food. And what happens is when you become lethargic and disengaged, most of the time it's in the in-between place. And when you become disengaged, you now have become the prime candidate because when you're disengaged with what God has said, you got to engage with something else. You don't want to hear what I'm talking about. So let me help you understand. God promised you that you were going to own this. God promised you that you were going to start this. And it starts out smooth. People come to you. They give you resources. They tell you I'm with you. They say whatever you need, I got you. Don't matter what you're going through, I'm there with you. And then you don't hear from them no more. And can I just deal with this for one second? Can I just deal with the unnecessary warfare that us as African Americans put on other people just because you choose not to respond to a text message? Let me just help you out a little bit. If I'm with you and I say I'm with you, then that means when I respond to you, I'm responding not because I'm bored, but I'm responding because I said I'm with you. And when you take your precious time to respond back to me, it's in the in-between of when I sent the text and when you respond that the enemy has chaos in my thoughts. I don't know whether or not you got the text. I don't know whether or not you mad at me. I don't know whether or not I offended you so you with your offended self all you got to do is just say text you later but it's warfare that you put upon people because they're waiting to hear to make sure that you're good to make sure that all is well to make sure that you ain't drove off the cliff somewhere it is simple but because we're so selfish because we're in our own but in between places we don't think it's necessary If you understand the warfare just think about how it feels for you not to have a message responded back to and then put yourself in the other person's shoes I'm talking because a lot of the times you don't know that you lead someone to a place of despair all because you won't pick the phone back up and say I'm sorry I can't talk right now give me a couple of days and I'll get back with you it's real simple people but we've lost the power of thing called etiquette It's called etiquette. It ain't because you're going through welfare. It's just called etiquette. Because you text who you want to text. You respond back to who you want to respond back to. You always pick the phone up. You look at the phone. You know I've been calling you for five days. And you send me the voicemail. It's because you're arrogant and you're self-conceited. And you put the other person through warfare unnecessary warfare now I'm up at night trying to figure out what did I do I went through the whole day trying to figure out okay the last time I saw them I said this and I took their hand like this and I fed them like this and we hugged like this was there something that I did did I smell wrong when I gave them a hug was there something did my hand go on the wrong body part did I do something to them to make them feel uncomfortable that's the power of a loss of etiquette because when you choose not to respond the enemy is going to respond and what he's going to do is say see I told you they weren't with you see I told you that they didn't care about nothing that you had going on that's the power of you not being in a position called etiquette look at your name and say it's just manners it's 
just matters. And most of us have no idea as to what it takes to survive in the thing that we want. And if you cannot respond to a simple text message, there is no way in the world that a Fortune 500 person is going to text you and sit there and wait for you to respond to them. You should be sitting on ready waiting for that text and you ain't got time because the money they were going to give to you if somebody else responds before you do is over. Look at your neighbor and say, let's get out the in-between. So now, the food shortage takes place in the wilderness of sin. So it's most of the time when we're in sin that we cannot eat properly. When we are in sin, the food, the thing that we need to sustain us is at a deficit. And it's not because the food is not available. I want to make sure that you understand this. It is not because the food is not available. It's because something else has taken your interest in the in-between and the food that you need is no longer desirable to you. Let's just pull the cover back and let's just look at it for what it is. Haven't you been in a place when God told you something and he spoke something to you and he gave you a word, he gave you revelation and then because it does not happen at the time period that you believe is supposed to happen, you get bored with God, you get inconsiderate with God, you stop pressing, you stop going forth and then you find yourself in a position trying to create your own ways, trying to create your own supplements, so much so that now sin has conceived in you and you begin to eat the bread of sin and now the sin of the bread of God is still there but it just don't look the same. It don't look the same. And this is why there are certain places in your life where you just need to have no choices. I need you to hear me. I told you I'm going to keep it very simple this morning. You need to be in a place where you have absolutely no choices. The problem with some of us when we go to the in-between places is we got too many options. And this is what hinders us. You can call this person. You can go over here. You can deal with this. And this is why God begins to allow people to get too busy for you, to get too concerned with their own life. Why? Because what he's doing is he is cutting off your options. Because as long as you got options, the bread of God don't look good. So let's go deeper. So now let's look at this. Verse number two says this. No, no, verse number one. It says that they came to the wilderness of sin, which is in between Elam and Sihanna. And this was the 15th day of the second month. So they've been gone from the nation of Egypt for two months. They've run out of food. And they're transitioning. Listen to me. They are transitioning through this wilderness. But they stop because they get distracted of what they cannot see. So let me help you understand this. This wilderness of sin is so prophetic. Because I want you to understand. And I just got to deal with it for what it is. I have to make sure that you are clear. That whatever sin you are in. You are not going to remain there. 
I know it's unpopular to talk about it because it makes you uncomfortable. It makes you look at things a little strange. But I want you to understand that everybody in this room, in a certain degree, is in some level of sin. I know that you look cute. And I know that you can talk in tongues. I know that you look dressed well. I know that if I gave you the microphone, you could pray fire down from heaven. But I want you to understand everybody in this room is in some level of sin is in some level of disagreeance with God about something that is happening in their life. Most of the time we don't think we are because if we ain't sexing, if we ain't drinking and we ain't smoking, then we ain't in sin. But I need you to understand that sin is more than drinking and smoking and sexing. Lying is sin. Gossiping is sin. And the most powerful sin there is, is the sin of unbelief the sin of unbelief so we somewhere along the path we all in a level of sin somewhere but this word helps us to understand that we are not to remain in sin and I want you to understand it is it, it ain't even left up to you God is transitioning you out of sin this prophetic picture helps us to understand that when you get to the wilderness of sin you are there for a season you are there for a time period but you're not going to remain there if the church understood this pastor we would not waste time trying to condemn people we will not waste time trying to pull up what they did wrong because we would know that they are transitioning they are going through sin they are coming out on the other side it is never God's intention to leave you in sin the Bible says above all things I desire that none should perish but all come to everlasting life you are not going to remain in sin because the grace of God is stronger than any stupidity that you could ever commit come on say his grace is stronger it's stronger so when we did the baby shower last year for the mothers particularly who did not have fathers who slept around and did not have a daddy we did it on purpose and I felt the pressure of the city I felt the people the religious people looking at us saying why are you doing a baby shower for these women who laid up and did what they did and are not married I told them in the spirit we're doing it because they're transitioning they're not going to stay here though they may beat it now they're not gonna stay here we're gonna push them out we're gonna love them out we're gonna provide them out the bible says with loving kindness have I drawn thee come on say he loving me out he loving me out you wait for him to run away but he loving you out you don't understand why he keep talking to you and you keep disobeying it's because he's loving you out you trying to figure out why you never believe him but he still shows up it's because he's loving you out he loving you out he's loving you out if the church understood the power of being loved out, then we would have more people fill the pews because we've been worried about what they're doing. I don't care if you go to the Astros every day. When you show up on Sunday, we're going to love you out. I don't care if you go to the Legion 365 days a year. When you come here, we're going to love you out. I don't care if you sleep around with a hundred men or women. When you come in this church, we're going to love you out because you're in transition. 
You in transition. You are in transition. You are in transition. You're not to stay there. You're in transition. The wilderness of sin teaches us that God didn't never intend for them to stay there. He took them through the wilderness of sin on purpose. Say transition. So I want you to understand. I got to calm myself down. I want you to understand that when you are in sin, never be in despair. See, because this is the thing that the enemy tries to teach us. And he tries to teach us this because he can't do it. He tries to teach you that your worship is not valuable when you're in sin. So what he does is he teaches you that God don't want to talk to you. God don't want to labor with you. God don't want to deal with no unclean vessel. The question is, what other kind of vessels does he have to deal with? Everybody is dirty. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that your righteousness is nothing but filthy rags, which means on your best day, you're still dirty. On your best day, you're still unclean. But he didn't leave you unclean. He sent the Messiah to clean you up. And the Bible says he made him to be sin who knew no sin that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus look at your neighbor and say he exchanged it he exchanged it transition I feel deliverance all in this room I feel deliverance all in this room because I feel somebody in sin right now who is questioning whether or not God wants to deal with them. The answer is yes. I don't care what you did. The answer is yes. I don't care what you experienced. The answer is yes. I don't care what you did before you came in these doors. The answer is yes. He wants you. He wants you. Dirty and all. He wants you. I wish we could create a church. I wish that we could create a church where people don't have to fake like they got it together. I wish we could. I wish we could create a church where people can walk in the doors and say, Pastor, you know what? I just drunk this. I slipped around with this. And I just lied on this person. But I'm here. I need God. I need him. I just did this. I just did this. But I'm here because I need him. And then the people turn around and don't murmur and don't complain. But say, come on in. Come in here. Sit on the front seat. Sit on the back seat. Wherever you want to sit, just be here. We ain't got to fake it. We ain't got to fake it. I need you to understand that you've got to become, I don't know where I'm going with this, but you've got to become comfortable as the house of God. Let alone, you've got to become comfortable with the house of God. And you've got to know that lesbians are going to come sit right by you in the house of God. You've got to know that homosexuals are, are going to come sit right by you in the house of God. Because if they can't come here, where else are they going to go to get their deliverance? If they can't come here, where else are they going to go to get their healing? I want the homosexual. I want the transvestite. I want the lesbian so that God can heal them. 
Come on, say freedom on them. Freedom on them. I don't care who they are. Freedom on them. I don't care what they come from. Freedom on them. Because if we get them here, they'll get delivered. If they get them here, they'll get set free. Come on, it don't take no miracle. It don't take no miracle. Come and come now. I'm gonna talk to you. How many of you, when you came here, were in some stupidity? How many of you, when you came here, was in some foolishness? Nobody made you feel bad. Nobody cussed you out. Nobody did anything. We just loved on you and preached the word. We just loved on you and preached the word. And now you are a whole different person. The stuff that you used to do, you don't do it no more. The thing that you used to think, you don't do it no more. You ain't perfect, but you're over your way power or transition so here's the thing that we don't teach pastor you've been living this thing longer than me this is what we don't teach we teach that when they murmured God was upset with them That when they complained about the lack of food, that God was ready to cuss them out. But that ain't what the Bible says. The Bible says that when they were hungry and they murmured, the Bible says that God said, Moses, come here. I've heard their murmurings and I'm going to feed them because of their murmurings. Now look at this now, look at this. Because if you don't have a prophetic eye, you won't see this. They're in the wilderness of sin. And they're complaining while they're there. And he still provides for them. Y'all don't want to hear what I'm saying? He provides for them. In the wilderness of sin. In your foolishness. In your mess. In your unclean state. He still comes and provides. He comes where you are. I don't care how stinky you are, he's still going to feed you. Because he knows if he don't feed you, the Satan got a trap for you. So because he loves you so much, Butler, he don't care how much you don't believe him. When you complain, he still finds a way to feed you. He still finds a way to take care of you. You don't pray, but he still comes. You don't sing to him, but he still comes. You don't worship him, but he still comes. 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 If you heard the song this morning, he never stops working. He never stops working. You may stop working, but he never stops working. When you in unbelief, he never stops working. When you cussing him out, he never stops working. Look at what it says. I've heard your murmurings. Speak unto them, Moses, and tell them at the evening, I'm going to give them flesh, and in the morning, I'm going to give them bread. Bishop so and so lied to me because he was trying to scare me into obedience he was trying to scare me into holiness he didn't trust the word he trusted his own strength 
but I want you to understand that even God don't trust his own strength oh my God God trusts his word so when you disobey he ain't moved when you acting a stupid fool he ain't moved when you ain't praying he ain't moved why because he lickers the word he looks the word out and he says at this moment the word gonna do this see cause you don't understand that the word has scientific power and it presses on you and it presses on you and it pushes you to a place you don't even know how you got there but it pushes you to a place why because the word is over your life so listen to me I'm through I'm through I need you to hear me he met them right where they were and fed them there he looked right where they were Miss Wilson he didn't wait for them to stop complaining <laughs> he didn't wait for them to say okay when you start complaining and when you start murmuring then I'll come and feed you no, while they were doing it, Moses, come here. Come here, Moses. What I want you to go and tell them is, on tomorrow, that murmuring that they have, they're not going to have it anymore because I'm going to feed them. Notice, though, this is the God of all knowledge. He knows that they're going to continue to complain. And he still feeds them. Father, bless it in Jesus' name, whatever it is. Listen to me. I want you to understand your faith is not as strong as it should be for one reason alone. Because you think God deals with you based upon conditions. That's why you don't believe him. One of the things that freed Jesus was one thing. He knew the Father. He knew him. You can't coach yourself out of sin. You can't self-talk yourself out of sin. You cannot even pray yourself out of sin. I've been there. Please, Jesus, take it away. Please, Jesus, take it away. My whole throat is hoarse. Jesus, please, take it away. Get up five days later. Back in it again. The thing that I would not do. That very thing. I found myself doing it. Anybody want to talk to anybody in this room? Am I talking to anybody here? Here's the power though. The power is. God actually. He don't wait. For you to get it together. Before he intervenes. If he waited for you to get it together. For him to intervene, then you would deserve some of the glory for you coming out. Wow. Wow. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So now you understand why the religious world is hated. The many millennials don't want to have nothing to do with the religious world. 
because even though they're trying to figure it out, at least they ain't scared. He's not waiting for you. The bread is there for you when you dirty. Can I help you understand something? Here's the thing that I want you to understand. The bread never changes. It just tastes different as you come out. Because your palate changes. The reason why it tastes a certain way when you first start eating it is because your tongue palate has been invaded with the things that are opposing to the bread. So there's a mixture of stuff. It tastes good, but it don't taste as good as it's going to get. Who am I talking to in this room? You tasted some of the Lord. You tasted some of his goodness, but it ain't got as good as it's going to get yet. stand two our feet all over this room minister man of God minister I need you to hear me I need you to hear me all over this room every last one of us have something that we need to be delivered from I'm going to create a culture in this church I don't care what you got going on. I want freedom to be talked about as the church that takes everybody. You don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. See, because when you start doing stuff like that, what kind of church is that? She came in there, she was half naked. So what? She's in transition. She's in transition. Because what we're going to do, if we see that she's half naked, then one of the mothers going to walk up and say, baby, do you have any clothes? Is this all you have? They don't know what church clothes look like. There was a new dispensation. And it's just now trickling down to this region. I feel it. The religious spirit has ruled for too long. In this region, it has ruled too long. We've got to agree on one thing. The only difference between a person that's going to walk in these doors who is messed up in us is that they are not ashamed to come in the doors. I was just blessed that I didn't have to go through that. He met me in my private moments. But even in my private moments, I still got rebuked from my pastor openly. I remember, often help you, sitting in my pastor's office. At the old Bethesda. Y'all don't know about that. In that old office. 
And I told him I was struggling in my flesh. He looked at me. Now, I was preaching during this time. Preaching. And I told him, I'm struggling, daddy. That's what I call him. Dad, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm struggling. I need some help. He looked at me. He, didn't say, he never said, son, you ain't got no business doing that. He never said that. He just looked at me. And he said, son, I want you to think about this. Is what you're doing worth what God said? And he left it alone. He never brought it back up. He never questioned me again. But he had this little small way of checking you. He'll walk up to you and say, all is well. He'll check you. He'll check you. He'll just walk up to you. All is well. What that means is, I'm giving you permission to tell me if you ain't right. Tell me now so we can deal with it. And if you say all is well, he leave it alone. What am I trying to tell us? He was teaching me to embody a spirit of unconditional love. Everybody in this room, including me, I know you believe TDJ ain't got nothing going on. I know you do. It's not true. If the standard was David, I'd be okay. If the standard was Joshua, I'd be all right. But they ain't the standard. The only thing that God looks at for the standard is the Messiah. That's what he focuses on. And if you have not transformed into him, Peter just cussed this man out a strong five days ago. Peter, do you love me? I do. Feed my sheep. How did Christ know that Peter would experience a powerful deliverance just that quick? Because he trusts his word. And right now in this room, I feel it all over this room. There is a spirit that you are feeling right now that is unconditional. I feel your God being let down. I feel it right now. I feel it. You're not concerned about me anymore. Now you're worried about the people around you. That's what you're worried about now. I feel it. I feel it. And the reason why you're there is because you want to be delivered, but you're going to allow what people think about you to keep you bound. I want you to understand this. God fed them in sin. If you don't leave with nothing else, he fed them in sin. And he fed them in sin for a reason. Because it is only him feeding you in sin that has the power to pull you out of sin. If he don't feed you, you ain't coming out. So he goes right where you are and he feeds you and says, now come. And if you take two steps back, he's going to come back in and say, okay, let me feed you some more. Now come on. 
Can anybody in this room attest to the patience of God? Oh, oh my God. The patience of God. 